Welcome to episode 379 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Canada. And on this episode, we're going to talk to Mr. Ben Heck about what the heck is going on with Dutch Pinball and what is the likelihood that we will see more Big Lebowski's made. You're going to love this interview. But before, let's talk a little bit about pinball news and what's going on in pinball. Let me start out by first thanking a couple more people who have donated to Canada's Patreon page. I want to give a shout out to Mark Felt and Jeff S. Thank you, gentlemen. You get to lead the show because you showed your support to Canada's Pinball Podcast. Truly appreciate it. So first, let's start out with with a very interesting thread about Penn Stadium spamming Pinside. Whenever you go on Pinside now and you look up a game, I've always noticed this, and I'm glad someone called it out. You are bombarded with Penn Stadium ads and every single like link to every single game, and it's reached the point of just it's so silly. Like, I'm so sick and tired of seeing Penn Stadium ads every time I look for anything pinball-related because they link these products to every single game every ever made like 18 times over. Now, here's my thing with Penn Stadium. I think the product is great. I don't take anything away from it. There's no denying the fact that we're probably spending... Uh, $200 plus on an item that costs them $30 to $50 at most to make. Like, it's insane the markup on a strip of LED lights with plastic over it. Insane. Insanely overpriced. I'm also just shocked. I am shocked that the pinball world can't design cabinets that have a little bit of a groove inside the wood to put that strip of LED lights because if you've seen most modern games, the lighting is so piss poor. Like go play a Willy Wonka in a dark room, it's so bad. And yet when you put pin stadium lights into the game, it looks amazing. So here's the quagmire with the whole thing. Does a $250 ten dollar strip of led lights is it worth it because it wakes up your seventy five hundred to nine thousand dollar game absolutely but that's besides the point they need to stop spamming they, they it's not just pin side it's everywhere you go on facebook these guys advertise left and right because it's not expensive to buy pinball advertising and i think they're making a small fortune on the profit margins on pin stadium lights but I still love them. I still would have them in all my games. What can I say? All right. So speaking of um, accessories and mods, I got a question for you guys out there, the community out there. And maybe you'll agree with me. Maybe you'll disagree with me. But at what point does a company and a manufacturer protect the IP that it's spent a lot of money on when it comes to mods in the game? And what I mean by that is I just saw that people are designing, I think the mod couple and other people are designing Willy Wonka mods that are clearly infringing upon the IP rights that Jersey Jack Pinball has paid for. And in doing so, mods are being created that I think take away two things. They take away the special nature of the more premium offerings from Jersey Jack Pinball and they also remove Jersey Jack's ability to make money on similar type mods. Money which they deserve to make because they are paying for the rights of that IP. 
And you have to look no further than people making gobstopper shooter rods for Willy Wonka, right? Why should a mod person be allowed to make a gobstopper shooter rod that is IP around the Willy Wonka franchise and all of a sudden now the gobstopper shooter rod that is supposed to be on the collector's edition which is a special little feature that only should be on that high-end version of the game now everyone can put it on their game and now you know the, the mod couple is not spending any money with Warner Brothers they're not spending any money with Jersey Jack Pinball now they're allowed to profit off of that IP without spending any money. Now, what are your thoughts on that? Should we allow you know people to do that? And I, I, I've been back and forth on this, right? Because back in the day, no one ever cared about going after people modding games. Like when people mod at Lord of the Rings, you know, they were going to buy like all the different toy figures and make all these mods. And, and those things are also, you know, IP protected um, by the studio, by New Line Cinema. So I don't know. I'm on the fence a little bit. Part of me is, is, is confused to why companies don't understand that they could sell more mods to people and make the money themselves. Like Jersey Jack, Stern Pinball, Spooky, all of them should have a little bit of a mod division in which they make enhancements to the game that you can buy separately. And I think there's a lot of profit to be made there. Uh, but when I saw that Gobstopper Shooter Rod, I just said to myself, wow, like, that sucks for Jersey Jack because now they're going to make all the LE games look, you know, almost as cool as the collector's edition games. And every time you chip away at the specialness of the higher end versions of the game, uh, they, it makes it less special. Uh, there are a lot. I have to say this. There are, there are a lot of Willy Wonka mods coming out. And I, I just want to give people a little word of caution. Don't over mod this game. Don't go crazy. I think it looks stupid when there's an Oompa Loompa by the TV camera and then people are putting like chocolate bars, like big chocolate bars at its feet. Like why would he be standing on top of two chocolate bars? People are modding the smokestack. People are modding the factory. People are modding, uh, you know, they're, they're putting Wonka's hat here and there. They're putting the, 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 the tube that uh, the kid gets sucked into. But here's the thing with all these mods. I, I, I'm all about, you know, changing things and making them look better but for some reason I always enjoy mods that are you know enhancing something that's interactive in the game and making something uh, more than just sticking stuff everywhere and a lot of these mods are just sticking stuff everywhere so I'll give you an example it's like in Lord of the Rings when you mod it Gandalf and you put the Gandalf with the lighted staff and the staff actually lights up with the game I mean that's really cool or the eye of Sauron right and then they, they, they got the Palantir Eye, right? When that, that mod was super awesome. Uh, but I think a lot of these latest mods are, are, they're just, it's just tacking stuff on everywhere. Not a big fan of that. I think it starts to look overcrowded and the stuff is just stuck there but doesn't really do anything. All right. What else do I want to talk about? So have the problems. This is something that we might have to do a whole nother show on. The problems of playfield dimpling, which leads to cracking. Has that been solved? Because if you go into the Willy Wonka thread, people are starting to notice that the same thing that has plagued Pirates of the Caribbean is also starting to plague Willy Wonka playfields. Now, it's not exclusive to Jersey Jack. Someone put up a photo of a Guardians of the Galaxy in which the same exact thing was happening. 
around the different posts, it was starting to ripple. And that is not a good sign. So what what's the issue here? Now that we've seen this on many games over the last few years, is it uh, the playfield manufacturer, is it their problem? And they're sending the problem to the manufacturers. Uh, are they over-screwing the posts in the game and screwing them too tightly? Are they not letting the play field cure long enough and they're rushing these games out and that's the problem nobody really knows and that's the problem it's like a disease in life it's like nobody really knows the cause of what is making these play fields do this Um, but it does have a lot of people concerned because if there's one problem you do not want to get it is a play field problem the hardest thing to do is swap out in a play field in a pinball machine. 99% of us are not qualified to do that kind of work on a machine. All right, so I really hope that the Willy Wonka thread does not turn into what the Pirates of the Caribbean thread was, and then it all becomes about the quality control issues in the game. So let's see how things transpire there. A, a hilarious thing happened is one person is selling their Willy Wonka Standard Edition and people are like, oh my God, it's for sale already. It means the game's not good. No, it doesn't mean that, you dingbats. There are going to be people who bought a Standard Edition Willy Wonka, who love it, who are going to trade up for a limited edition machine now that they're available. So I would not look at someone selling a Standard uh, as a sign that this game is not good. Uh, the price they were selling it for was $6,800. All right, what else is going on in pinball? We want to give a big congratulations to Keith Elwin for, I believe, defending his title at Pinburg and hoisting up what has to be the biggest damn trophy in, in the pinball world. Uh, but super awesome to see Keith win at Pinburg again. Uh, what's awesome about Keith winning, and, and, and just think about this for a minute, he's the best player in the world pretty much one of them and he's also designing what people consider to be some of the best pinball machines in the world and it's not you don't have to add those two things up to realize that stern pinball has probably one of the most valuable people in pinball on their staff and i think that's incredible because if you think about it not only does he know how to design a game he knows how to play pinball so well but i what i think makes keith special And I say this, and it's the same reason why I think Lyman Sheets is special. It's the same reason why I dream about the two of them making a game together one day. The truly magical people in pinball, they understand how to make something rewarding for the professional players, but they also know how to make stuff rewarding for the casual player at the same time. And it takes a special kind of genius to combine that art and science, right? To get those things together. And I think Keith understands that. Like he knows what shots are rewarding. He knows what people will have fun playing and flipping, but he also knows how to make the game challenging with combos and different ways to approach the game that the higher skilled players will also enjoy. So he sort of gives both parties the best of both worlds together in one package. And I think Lyman Sheets is also similar in that he knows how to do that as well. He knows how to code a game in which you can immediately walk up to it and be satisfied with how you're progressing in a simple way. Or you could dive deeper and and, and explore more of the game if you're a higher skilled player. And I think that's that's a, it's, a, it's an art form. It really is an art form. So congratulations on that victory, Keith. All right. What else is going on in the pinball world? 
Um, you know, not too much. Not too much. A lot of debate around Dutch pinball, which we're going to talk about on uh, this interview with Ben Heck. Uh, let me read a couple of your emails, and then I'm going to air the interview. Sorry, this show is going to go a little bit over an hour, but it will be worth it. I've got an email from James, and he writes, Oktoberfest, and why it's a year-round theme. Let's read this. He says, first of all, congrats on an epic podcast. How you manage to speak your mind with such clarity and consistency of purpose is incredible, or great editing. Either way, it comes across concise and feels so much fuller than a man rambling on about pinball for the length of a show. All right, well, first of all, I don't edit, so it's all just me. He goes, on Oktoberfest, I keep hearing people, yourself included, saying, hey man, why are we celebrating Oktoberfest in July? Or this game has no appeal beyond October. Come on, really? The theme is an embodiment of that vibe, that feeling, that moment. I don't think it's stuck in a box to be just for that time, though. It's a festival, but it's supposed to embody that feel and the good euphoria of what a festival is about. Good times, maybe a brew or two, and being together. Isn't that why every pinball tries to do, or what every pinball tries to do? It's an euphoric moment that you try to recreate. Remember the first time you dropped the shield and smashed a saucer in Attack from Mars? Remember the first game you bought home thinking, what am I doing? This thing is way too big for a home environment. Remember the first time you smashed a jackpot in a bar and everyone looked up? That's what Oktoberfest is going for, that feeling. So maybe beyond the actual nuts and bolts of, hey, Oktoberfest can only mean that point in time, we embrace it as the fun, feel-good, lighthearted jaunt it should be and get on board for a game that should excel in a public setting should operators be brave enough to give it the square footage it deserves. Keep up the great work, buddy. We all love it, even those that love to moan, especially those. Very best. James, the UK Pinball Club. Well, James, look, I mean, you're right. I mean, look, Oktoberfest isn't like Christmas or Thanksgiving. I get it's a beer festival. The, the, the only thing is this, James is I think you hit the nail on the head. Operators have to be brave enough to give it some real estate space on location. It's just not a theme. It's just not a festival. It's just not a moment that most Americans are really into. And that is why it just won't sell. I understand that there are Oktoberfest festivals in America, but those things are very much tied to fall. And even though the game is fun and whimsical, the execution of it, for some reason, it's not just what I say in this podcast, it's not resonating with pinball buyers. And for that reason, and that reason alone, uh, they should have thought about making something else. They need a hit at American Pinball. All right. I got an email from Blade from Jay. He writes, Lebowski, Chris, the Lebowski machines are disgusting to me. How a company can resell machines over people who already paid for them is crazy. If you're buying the machine to turn around and make a profit from that same machine by selling it, you are no better than them. That's just effed up and a repugnant way to be in the hobby. Jay. All right. So, Jay, I have your vote against flipping the Big Lebowski. Duly noted, my friend. All right, Alan. Okay, Alan, I'm going to read your interview, Alan Robertson, at another time because it's too long. I can't. I want to get a short one. All right, all right, another long one from Ben Crane. Guys, all right, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to make you. I'm going to do another 
another podcast in which I read more of your emails. Here's a short one from David Rendon. And this is just something for you guys. If you want to email me, this is what I do. I don't edit this show. I don't take notes. I don't read your emails. I like to just open up the emails live while I'm recording and read them. So if you write me a mountain email, just think about that before you do it. Try to try to summarize your thoughts in a way in which I can read it on air without it being too laborious. All right. So David Rendon says, podcast, love you, man, from Texas. I'm a huge pinball fanatic, have been for many years. I recently got into podcast listening. You are definitely my number one. Oh, I think I got another Twippy vote. David, remember, Twippy voting Canada Pinball Podcast. He says, in your opinion... What Stern Pro will hold more value in the next year? I want Elvira, but I would like a pinball machine in the meantime to trade in the future. All right, David, I think that's a really weird question. I'll explain why. You are asking me what machine you should buy based on what I think the resale value of it will be. What you should have asked me is, Chris, what game should I buy? And I that's a Stern Pro. And the first thing I would say is buy the machine you enjoy. Buy the machine you would love to play. Don't think about the resale value. Now, if you are going the Stern Pro route, here's the good news. They're not expensive to get into. And the other good news is they're not going to lose a ton of value. Stern Pros are pretty solid in holding their value. You might lose like 400, 500 bucks, maybe a little bit more, uh, but you'll easily play four to 500 games on it over a year. If I were to say right now, out of the games that are out, let's just take those. If you wanted to get a Beatles, I say no way. You're going to lose money on the gold. If you were to get a Munsters, I think you'd lose some money in that game. I think demand for that game is is, is dying, if not dead. Uh, Jurassic Park is hot. I would really probably get a Jurassic Park Pro. Uh, I think that one will stay in, in demand for a while. I don't know what Elvira is. I haven't seen Elvira. I don't even know when Elvira is going to be out. I, I I would not recommend you get a game that you haven't even seen or played. Um, so, I mean, that's that's the whole thing. The other thing is this. You know, David, if you really want to get a game that, like, uh, will hold value, I, go look at, like, a, a standard edition of, like, a Lord of the Rings. I mean, if you want to go back, there are so many good Stern Pros. There's Tron. There's There's a lot of games out there uh, that, uh, you know, there's – go get a really cheap – uh, Game of Thrones Pro, which shoots really nicely. Go get a, a, I don't know, Black Knight Pro. You know, there's just games you can get that have already hit rock bottom, right? Where you won't lose much money if you just keep it in good condition. So the world is your oyster, my friend. I would just recommend jumping on a machine, playing it, and get that game. Don't worry about the resale value of the game. All right, we're going late here. Wow, this is going to go over an hour, which is not what I do. But let me air this interview. I think you're going to enjoy it. Everybody, Ben Heck, talking about what the heck is going on at Dutch Pinball. I want to welcome back to the show the designer of Jurassic Park, Mr. Ben Heck. Ben, welcome to the show. I didn't design Jurassic Park. I know, but I realize that nobody from Stern will come on the show, so I got to just falsely attribute things oh. to my other guests. Oh, yeah, Jurassic Park. Uh, it's the greatest game ever. You should buy it. Uh, uh, that's me, the designer of Jurassic Park. All right, that. I'm sold. Where do I place my Ellie order? No, Ben, the reason why I wanted to talk to you today is I want to talk about a topic that a lot of people are speculating on, and that is Dutch Pinball and their ability to maybe one day remake the Big Lebowski. Let's talk yeah, about I was, it. Yeah, I was uh, you know, trolling that forum as well. And uh, yeah, I definitely have some thoughts. I mean... 
I mean, I do have some experience with like what it takes to get a machine going. So, okay. so I, I was there once. So let's. So when you heard the news that ARA was going to sell the games that had been built almost three years ago, were you yeah. shocked when you first heard that news? No, because it was inevitable. You know, um, it's it's uh, you know it's they're owned by ARA, but the thing is, it's not like it's a load of gravel or a bunch of lumber, you know? I mean, it's a pretty specific market if you have a bunch of pinball machines as a commodity. So, of course, they have to be resold to the community through, you know, Cointaker, because they're obviously a large distributor. So I, w- I wasn't shocked. It was inevitable. Do you, do you... The way it was handled, how do you feel about that? I mean, there are those saying that the early achievers should have had first right of refusal. What do you think about that? Well, okay. Early achievers were in for, like, what, 8500 all yep. paid up? Most of them. So, <laughs> yeah. So if they're clearly looking for new money over old because they're pretty obviously in a pretty deep hole. I mean, we don't, we have no idea how deep. So if you think about it, like if they need 12.5 K per game, no matter what to like settle up with ARA or not even settle up apparently. But so they're, they basically be like, Hey, early achievers, the money you already gave us, it's like that South Park, and it's gone. And we need 12.5K more for you to get a game. So what is that? 21,000. 21, yeah. Uh, so basically, yeah, they would, they, they would have the first crack at buying a game for 21,000, and everyone else could get it for 12.5. People uh, would have so, gone nuts if they asked people to buy their game again for that much more. Yeah, and I mean, it's it sucks no matter what. But yeah, if you think about it that way, I mean, they weren't, I mean, well, aside from the money that Cointaker was holding at escrow, which is good because, you know, that means that money didn't get to touch pinball. But it, it's, yeah, I mean, th- people need to think about, okay, that's exactly what would have happened because it's not like they're like, oh, well, you already got $8,500 in. Yeah, they do, but that, that money, and it's gone. So it doesn't matter. They they needed 12.5K per game right. to shore up. Now, Ben, before we get to like the logistics of trying to remake this game again, do you did you hear the story that way back when ARA was making these games, they asked for 1,000 more euros per game from mm-hmm. Dutch Pinball, and apparently that sent this whole thing into a tailspin. What, what do you? Th- why do you think that happened? Well, I'm sure that they uh, DP and probably also ARA. Uh, massively underestimated the cost of what it would take to get these spun up. Um, either that or this happens with Kickstarters, everything else. They're like, the profit per game, need, it, you know, that's one thing, but they spend so much money in development that the amount of the hole they dig themselves in, in development is much larger than the profit per game, even when the things go out the door. So they're always behind. So they probably. You know, they're building it in, you know, Europe, which is not the cheapest place to build things, especially large things like that. And they probably just, you know, massively miscalculated it. Although, if it was really only 1,000 euros more, which would be like, what, uh, $1,150 US, um, people would have gladly paid that. That's a lot better than asking EAs to pay 12.5K more. Right. Yeah. Which makes that story always seem a little bit fishy because that was three years ago. And and in hindsight, 
they all would have paid it just to get their game. I mean, when you hear from the early achievers, I mean, these are especially people who love this movie so much and really wanted this pinball machine. And they would have forked over that money. Now, it's weird that they were never even given that option. We just watched the whole thing sort of slow motion train wreck over three years of excuses, right? Yeah, we, we heard that it was an option, but also didn't that also involve ARA taking 51% control of Dutch pinball? Right. And what do you think would have happened if they did that? If they would have done that, they would have immediately fired Barry, Yap, and anyone else that was still involved with the company. And perhaps what the deal was, was maybe maybe they actually did need more than $1,000 per game. And they're like, okay, but if we control the company and the IP and the ability to make more of these games... We can sell more of them down the line and maybe recoup some money there. But I think part of the reason they stalled for so long is, you know, they had this uh, DP had this dream of like, oh, we're, we're, you know, they were the bell of the ball back in 2014. And and then, you know, kind of went downhill. So if they would have taken that deal, the games probably would have had a much better chance of getting made because ARA I'm, obviously is a much bigger company than DP. So they actually would be, you know, they would probably fulfill their end of the deal. But it would have ended the pinball dreams of Barry and Yap and whoever was left, and I think they were just they had too much pride to let that happen. Right, and also ARA is a is a contract manufacturer. They don't want to be a pinball company per se, right? I mean, why why would they want to do that? Like, have well, to... the only reason for the money, <laughs> right? But but that's not their business model. It's not to hostile takeover, you know, their clients because their clients can't fork up the money. I mean, that's not really how it's supposed to go down, right? Well, a a bank doesn't want to foreclose on your house. Um, It's the last option. But, you know, if you get far enough in debt, they have no other choice but to do that. Right. The other thing is, yeah. And the other thing, Ben, is all, all we know, all we've ever heard is one side of the story. I mean, it's Barry and Yop were communicating this stuff, right? We saw the newsletters. Like, they wanted to take 51% of our company. We just couldn't do that, right? And so we're going to go to China, right? Remember that whole escapade? Mm -hmm. What do you think uh, the chances were that they ever were going to make this game with what was Zytec in China? You know what? Um, many, many years ago when I had a normal day job, I worked at this place. And uh, after I left, it kind of it went down the hill. What you know, it was like it failed. And I think I think it failed. And then they uh, one of the owners bought back as much of the equipment as possible at the bankruptcy option anyway. But so I didn't work there, but my friends still did. And they would tell me the stories and um uh, stiffing vendors and finding another vendor that you don't owe money to so you can basically rack up debt with them and then find another vendor, that is a surefire sign of a broke-ass failing business. And that's kind of what that Zytec thing smelled like. I mean, the fact that they were going to China instead of like resolving something like in their own, you know, or at least in the EU, right? Uh, that's, that's pretty insane. And uh, going to China, it's, you know, it's cheap, but it's not, it's not as easy as people think. And they're very... Uh, you know, it's 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 different over there. You know? So what must have happened, too, because it, it, it seemed like they were out of money and they couldn't pay ARA. Then they get these Zytec partners on board and they must have promised those people equity in the company. Right. Some some equity. Cause, yeah. Because why? Who? Where did that money come from to, to fund that operation? 
Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that, you know, it's different if you find like some sugar daddy here in the States or, you know, like some angel investor. But it's, it's strange that a, a Chinese company would be so altruistic about it. You'd think they would be like, where's our money? You know? Right. And maybe they, maybe they were. So that whole thing, we don't really know much about that at all. But apparently that died on the vine as well. With the well, ARA sued them and is like, wait a minute, like you can't, you can't do that. We we've invested all this money, we've we're, we've built these games. You can't not pay us, and then and I think that's what shut down the Chinese manufacturing was the lawsuit. So ARA sued DP for unpaid uh, invoices. Yes. I assume okay. So why yeah. didn't they knock on the door of Homepin? Yeah, that would be your first stop. I mean, it's like, oh, look, China, it's cheaper. Hmm, who's already making games over there? And, I mean, there there are things about Thunderbirds that are cheap, but, you know, it's still basically a pinball machine, you know? <laughs> it's it's The general idea is there. Weird right. flipper buttons aside. Yeah, that would have made more sense. Or as you've said many times, like, why not talk to, like, American Pinball or, or somebody else? Yeah, but they wouldn't even have had to have cheapen the game, you know, Thunderbirds was being designed to be a much cheaper game. Lebowski was not. I mean, they already had yeah. all of the parts designed and engineered. So really, well, you know. I, oh, just one thing, back up a bit. I mean, if you're talking about like when DP was floundering around like a fish, 2016, 2017, Homepin hadn't even released Thunderbirds at that point. So maybe that that's why it may not have been yeah. seemed like no. Nothing. No, you're right, and and they would have been better off if they never released Thunderbirds. But uh, I digress. <laughs> so okay, so then we get to this period in which there's almost no updates for a long time. Then they rock up to Texas Pinball Festival. They have a plan, Ben, and it's to sell you a <laughs> new version of Bride of Pinbot. Oh yeah, so I was there the year they showed that. I remember it well. Right, and it was twelve. <laughs> well, so you know surprisingly priced at $12,500. It seems that that is, they've done some market research where that's just as much as we can get away with when we know we're trying to do this. Well, it was, it was new money, you know, over old, they clearly needed it. And you know, who in their right mind says, you know what this pinball machine needs less of, it needs less uh, Python Angelo art. Let's replace that. Right. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) And they were making that game. Also, well, remember they said, I think they were making that game at ARA and ARA had like the prototype of it and wouldn't let it go. And so then they were trying to d- redo it in China. It was the whole thing just sounded like more art, of a mess. Yeah. And the art package was terrible. I mean, that would, well, clearly, it, you know, they were fishing, but you know, if it looked good, it might've worked, but uh, right. you know, Bright of Pinbot isn't really, I mean, the Bride of Pinbot 2.0 kit's really cool. I think that's I thought it was very impressive. Right. Um, however, Bride of Pinbot as a game isn't really you know that sought after. I mean, it's it's cool and all, but right. Okay, so then we fast forward to this r- most recent event in which we get a newsletter from Barry in which mm-hmm. he says, "Here's the deal. You know, we lost the lawsuit, uh, but I was able to sort of reach a gentleman's agreement with ARA that if we." sell these new games or those 40 games at 12,500 those games will go to new buyers i will it doesn't clear their debt completely with ara but somehow they'll also be given parts for 100 additional games now 
How does that work, Ben? How why are they given uh, those parts if the debt's not clear? Then what leverage does ARA have if they give Barry back everything? That that is really strange because, um, uh, but uh, I, I have I have a few theories on that, or at least basically one, like um, like a hundred if if it's a hundred games worth of parts, although they said it doesn't include cabinets, which is actually cabinets are more expensive than people think, um, but still a hundred games worth of parts, even not including cabinets. That's a lot, of, you know. That's a lot of money. That's probably like at least half a million in parts. So it's possible that uh, some of the sunk cost or the outstanding balance could be in those parts, right? Right. So, so it's it's possible that by selling, oh no, I'm giving legal advice without a license. It's possible that by reselling the 40 games, you know, for 12.5k, maybe that money didn't necessarily go just for those games, or maybe it also went for the parts. Because it sounds like ARA probably was the one who ordered the parts as well on behalf of uh, uh, Dutch Pinball. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, but it, the, the numbers just don't ever add up, right? Because like, even if uh, no. you have those 40 games at, you know, let's say they're not 8,500 because that's that was retail. Let's say it cost ARA. Let's just say hypothetically 6,000 per game, it, right? But it could have cost more than 8,500. Right. We don't know. So let's just say hypothetically it's six thousand they're they're bomb or you know, the cost per game for ARA. That's yeah, I'm sure that's what they were aiming for, yes. Two hundred and forty thousand dollars, right? Now Dutch is getting five hundred thousand dollars from these new buyers. So I mean that starts to paint a picture of what you're describing. So maybe Maybe they're giving $200,000 for those games. Maybe $300,000 is going for the parts with an IOU of whatever the additional money is that I, I bet this is what Barry told them. Look, give me the parts. I will give you half a million dollars now. Give me those 40 games and the parts. I'm going to make 100 more games at 12500 which will net me. That's probably the math he's doing, right? Yeah. So that, that nets him one. One million, one hundred, like one hundred. Wait, one million two hundred fifty thousand dollars, right? Yeah, ostensibly. It also, but but to your point, okay. Let's talk about the logistics of that promise, right? He's got to right. buy. He's got to make a hundred cabinets for this with with that's, no money yet. Yeah, and that's you'd probably be for a game like that. I mean, remember that was a very well made game. I mean, you'd probably be looking at 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 least a thousand dollars a cabinet probably more like 1500 okay so then to do that to just put in that order he to, to do anything he needs to pre, he needs pre-order money he needs he needs to pre-sell these games right so who knows maybe again we do not know how in debt he was but perhaps you know this new thing you know like oh he gets you know half a million dollars for these 40 games maybe that maybe he uses that to you know he needed let's say he needed three hundred thousand dollars to settle with ara and then he's gonna use the other two hundred thousand dollars to buy the cabinets to put these parts into that's possible although if he's still in debt to ara even after this transaction i would think he probably isn't making any profit or have any liquidity yet you know cash that he could use to you know buy cabinets or or whatever else you know, even you, even before the logistics of building games, when you were talking to me earlier about the red flag being, you know, someone who's in debt to a vendor who moves on to another vendor is a, is a huge red flag of, of financially being like out of control. Yeah, you're basically um, getting in debt to vendors and using them as like banks in there, a way. There was another 
pinball manufacturer. Let me let me see if you can guess who it was who did not pay their rent and would simply move on to another factory <laughs> and then not pay that rent and move on to another factory. Do you, do any guesses who that was? Oh gosh, I think I think I know. It's uh it's it's a Highway Pinball. Andrew and Highway did the same thing. Um okay, so so here's the thing then. Let's talk logistics. Let's say he gets the cabinets. Where where can he set up assembly of a game like this? That's a good question. Um, I mean, you know, houses and residences are smaller over there. Like, you know, you could. I mean, you could almost maybe do it in like a large American garage. You know, like at a McMansion. I mean, because Spooky started out barely bigger than that. But like, right? how many games are we talking? Okay, so then you have like just the well, realities. Where do, where do, you, where of, do you put a hundred cabinets? Where do you, you put? Know, a, where, yeah. Some, so. Where do you put a hundred cabinets, a hundred bowling alleys, a hundred rugs, a hundred of play fields, right? There's a lot of stuff, right? When we see Stern Pinball and we see a real, like a Jersey Jack and a real assembly line, it, mm-hmm. it always seems you, know, you need space. You, and you also yeah. need employees to put these games together in, in a quality manner. Do you think, I mean, he can't do it by himself. He's then got to salary people and, and get, yeah isn't isn't one of them like ill or something like he got cancer or something yeah yap is he's out he's out he's 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 his cancer's return he's not coming back to the company so then barry needs let's let's do a list of what barry needs he needs a miracle he needs okay that is a good way to like describe it all (laughs) sorry go on yeah no he needs pre-order money he needs a factory he needs workers he needs uh, you know, he needs to make sure he has all the parts required. That's the other thing too, is does he have every single part needed? Cause we know it only takes one necessary part to exactly. Not, and then you're, you can't build them. And then some of their stuff, remember they had custom LCD glass cut, which is not a trivial thing. So they, and that Brunswick bowling mechanism, which I know we've argued about this before, but I honestly think they should have costed that out as soon as things started to go south. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you have if you have one thing missing, you're done. That's the hardest thing with the manufacturing of pinball is not just supply chain, but, you know, keep while well, keeping your supply chain moving. It's, just, it's like a war, you know, you're not going to get to Germany unless you have a whole line of gas tanks behind your behind your tanks. Right. And he's also got zero credibility. Right, and you have to factor that in. There's zero confidence now in this company, and so you yeah, I mean, you'd have, up. you'd have to do an American pinball where you find some people that don't know how to use Google. Right. So, his here's what I think his only shot is. I, I think his only shot, and I've said this before, is if another pinball manufacturer that has credibility is mm-hmm. willing to take on this project. But then there's another big if like how do you solve this and you know what that is is like how but then how do they make those hundred plus people who already bought the game how do you make them whole again you've got to sell like hundreds at twelve thousand five hundred did you uh ever see the the coolest cooler on kickstarter (laughs) it was uh, it was a it was a uh, it was like a cooler that you take to the beach or whatever but for whatever reason, it had a blender built into it, and it had it, it had actually had a refrigerator element so it could keep itself cold, and a radio and Bluetooth and some other stuff. 
it was a big smash hit on Kickstarter, right? Um, but of course, surprise, surprise, they underestimated what it would cost to build it, right? So that thing has been on, it's been, you can buy one on Amazon right now. It's been for, on retail sale for years now, and they're still trying to, you know, collect up enough profit to fulfill the original backers. Right. Uh, so it, it happens in a lot of different situations. And, and that's like a $350 cooler. And of course, you know, well, you know how it is like in the real world. Like, you know, you, you sell someone a $60 video game. And if it's not eight hours long, they're going to bitch and moan and act like the sky is falling. So these pinball people are lucky that pinball people, for whatever reason, they have the patience of Job, even with his huge, huge purchases. Um, yeah, I don't. the thing is, you know, when you talk about paying back an investor, right? If you're like, oh, I've got all this money, you know, for whatever project, let's say it's pinball. And uh, each pin, after I do everything, I make 2K profit. Well, that 2K profit, that's what pays back the investor, not, you know, the uh, the gross, you know, cost of the pinball machine, right? So, yeah, I mean, even if you have a profit, yeah, if you make $2,000 per game, but you owe, you know, people a $6,000 game, that means you have to sell like three games to build one game for a back customer. Right. And then if the money's going to paying ARA debt, it's not going to the new cabinet manufacturer. It's not going to your new employees. It's not going to storage costs for all these parts. I mean, there's, it's just the list goes on and on. So I don't that, know how th there's making 100 games, even if they got even if they have or find the capital for cabinets and even if they have a place to put all this stuff. Um, the, even if they had like 10 employees, it would take years to do that. And I highly doubt they can afford any employees, you know, like, I mean, in theory, one person could just sit there and, you know, build cabinets until his debts are repaid like that, uh, story about the woman and the fake necklace, you know, uh, but it would be years and years. Right. right. And then that, that person isn't paying themselves. Right. Right. And, you know, and then, you know, it's, it's in the EU. So you probably have like console tax and national insurance and all that stuff. Like, you know, you know, the government's going to want its tax. You know, if you're just sitting there, if you're making something, but you're not being made any, making any money, they're going to be like, what's going on? Right. You're like, you basically are, would have to turn yourself into an indentured servant. <laughs> right. So out of all the pinball manufacturers out there right now, if one of them was, keen on waking up to perform a miracle for the early achievers who would make the most sense to bring on this project deep root would make the most sense because they're throwing money around like a drunken sailor right but i guarantee robert would not be interested because i could just tell you that doesn't seem like a theme that he'd like you know because well, all he he just cares about art well he also in one of his correspondences said that he he approached them with oh really with a with a scenario that apparently just didn't work out or they couldn't come to any sort of agreement uh, but he is making well it was probably the same kind of thing where he's like I'll take this burden off your hands but now but then you're done so and so you think probably the same the same way they're like no, we can't give up our dreams. Well, that's what it's that's what it comes down to is like Barry and Yop had a dream and they failed to execute that dream and now everyone has to go down with the ship in a way and except for 40 lifeboats that are going out into the world that are saving people who were not even on the ship. 
Oh, you mean ARA? Like those forty games? That's... Those forty games are going to go. So let's talk about that because you know that I I, I have one on order. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I also do know. Are, few... are you and Brenda going to start sleeping under your games? I mean, you live in Manhattan, right? I, we're out of room. <laughs> but what do you think yeah, okay. about the people who bought one of those forty games? Are, are we morally reprehensible scumbags, or are we just taking advantage of an opportunity? And it's not our fault, but it's it's still just Dutch Pinball's fault for putting, you know, the games for sale that way. Uh, I I don't really feel any any one way or the other about someone that would take that deal. I mean, let's face it, we live in a capitalistic dog eat dog world, and you know, I think anyone given the chance would go for it. I mean, you know, like all the ire towards John Papaduke over the years. If he makes a really beautiful functional magic girl, people won't care. You know, they will they'll plunk down their money. Um, yeah, uh, the thing is, yeah, it might seem they Dutch Pinball did sell the games twice. There's no doubt about that, right? Um, but right. it's Dutch it's Dutch Pinball that are screwing the EAs, not the new buyers. You know, if I if I hire a guy to fix my garage. And he buys a bunch of lumber or orders a bunch of lumber, and then the contractor runs away with my money. I'm not. I can't go to the lumber yard and say that's my lumber because it's not. You know, it was the contractor that screwed me, not the lumber yard. And I think just the fact that it's a pinball machine, which is a very specific thing, rather than a generic commodity, is why people. I know this is going to sound awful, but you know, have a sense of ownership, and they do technically own. Yeah, but they don't because. You know, here's the thing. If DP would have built the games themselves and not relied on an external contractor, like you said, George Gomez talked about years ago, right. then it would be then it would be an entirely different situation. Like then if they were selling games twice, I think, well, people would be even more pissed off. Right. But people need to realize ARA is a separate entity. And, you know, I remember like when, you know, it was really going down. Everyone's like, oh, ARA is evil, blah, blah, blah. You know, they're the bad guys, you know, the typical kind of stuff. And it's like, well, they're they're a contract manufacturer and. If you don't pay them, then they're not going to build you anything else. You know, it's like it's just like we were talking about with like rents or vendors. Like, you know, I could skip a few months with my electric bill, but eventually they're going to come after me. You know, you can, right. you know, it's and why wouldn't they? Because I owe them money. Yeah, I think what's painful for people also for the early achievers is they just know whoever had number whatever, like 51 to 90. Yeah, that's their game. Like, yeah, they they might be removing the plaques to avoid. That's a funny move, right? They're removing those <laughs> plaques to avoid complete, like in your face, like I sold your game to somebody else. But everyone knows they are. Exactly. So let me ask another question: as a pinball speculator, as someone who flips the Big Lebowski for a profit, the biggest scum on the earth. See, you're, you're you're trying to get me to uh, make you feel better about your decisions. No, but I, or, I, 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 I am not. I'm not. I'm not sure what I'm doing. I, 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 I think that's kind of what you're doing, but that's okay. I'll still answer. Um, uh, well, people are already flipping those games for a profit. I mean, what was it? Was it? Uh, was it Predator where they're talking about like selling the games and dividing it up and giving it to all the people? I mean, right. That that's equally ridiculous. I mean, right? And like, unless you actually have like some sort of judgment against a company, like a class action lawsuit, and only lawyers win those, as as you probably know, um, it's kind of silly. You know, it's like you're trying to uh, get blood from a stone. 
Right. And you know, there's there's Predator games out there too, and like you know, I was like, ooh, ooh, Predator. I mean, same thing like with that, like you know. Kevin would have never been able to make that many games anyway. He would have run, run out of money as well. But, you know, the people who are probably the most pissed that he got, you know, ratted out to Fox are probably the people like with like game 20 or 30, right? right. That would have got would have gotten one if it wasn't for you meddling kids. Right. Right. So, I, look, I, I think that there's this was never going to end in a situation in which people felt good either way. And I think to your point, the buyers of these forty games, they won't, they won't really care. I, I know, I know a bunch of them who are buying this machine, and and they're they're just happy they're getting a machine. Uh, they same thing with like Magic Girl. If it comes out working, people will buy it. They they have, people have revision, revisionist history when it comes to like these calamities. But if the game's available, like all that goes away. And hey, I, I got my shot. And don't you know? Don't point your finger at me because you would have done the same thing. Um, how much do you think these games will go for? Well, you know, it sounds like DP is trying to keep the dream alive. And I think that's where people maybe need to like think a little bit more realistically. Like we were just talking about a hundred games. How do you build them? Where do you build them? How do you ship them? Blah, blah, blah. You know, that's a lot of work. So it's like, oh, well, this is the first step to finally getting the early achievers their games. But as we talked about, you know, with the math, even if they start building games again, like that is so far down the road, right? And if you see that so often with especially Dutch pinball, like they keep, you know, metering out little bits of hope, right? Like, oh, there's hope, there's hope. So um, same thing, like if, if this was the end for Dutch or uh, the Big Lebowski, of course the games would appreciate past 12.5K because, you know, Cactus Canyon is worth quite a bit. And they made a lot more of those than 90, right? Right. But if, as long as uh, Dutch Pinball keeps acting like there's a chance, well, I mean, of course, technically there is a chance, but uh, that might keep the prices kind of low. I think it would take some sort of catastrophic end point for the prices to actually start going up. It's just like the like the remakes. It's like, oh, you know, there's a, you know, Theater Magic is not going to go up too hot. Well, it's gone up quite a bit, but you know, it's not going to go up too much higher because people know that you know. Sooner or later, it will be remade. Well, so it's like Cactus Canyon. There's one sitting on eBay right now for twenty thousand dollars. The guy's never going to get it because we all know that yeah. game's next. Well, what are, you ever notice like Sunshine Laundry has theirs in the effing window? Isn't that nuts? I know. Well, they he he has a diamond edition. He he wanted to put his Magic Girl out on location, but John designed the game where you can't. It won't work for operators because. You well, that guy has a he has a Supreme on location. Yeah, he's got yeah. a Supreme. I mean, Peter's crazy. I mean, I love him to death. He puts he he anything's an operator game. I mean, he has I think he has two the Big Lebowski's and they're both broken. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, that's the other thing. It's I mean, I I've heard that it's not a super reliable game. There's like flipper lag, and they have all those circuit boards underneath the playfield. Um, which kind of is questionable, and yeah, I mean that. I'm out, well. The alien people have been solving that. Like, I think that's awesome how the alien buyers are like yeah, helping each other the design. Game. They fixed they're making all the, the they're yeah. making the game better than Andrew did, right? Absolutely. Well, that's, you we we didn't even talk about that, right? So you've got an unreliable game. It is an unreliable game. I mean, it's there are there are only forty out in the world, and and they have issues, and we know this for a fact. That Dutch Pinball, with feedback from Cointaker, was making significant changes to the boards in that game with the Chinese version. 
We we instead of like that one big that we'll never see. Right, that we'll never see. Um, so knowing that and knowing these games are being sold somewhat as is, uh, there is a desire for buyers of these forty games to buy spare parts. Now, Ben, I would assume that Barry is not completely moronic and understands that those parts, those spare parts he has, he could sell them for a fortune to the 40 buyers of these new games and even the existing buyers. So like he's got 80 people with with games in homes. Right, but then again, there go his dreams of building games. But how much would someone pay for a spare rug mechanism or a spare bowling alley? Yeah. Like, start- the thing is, I'm, I'm I'm sure most of the parts in that are standard Williams Max. So really, it's yeah, it's like the bowling alley or the rug. Those are the only things that are like really proprietary, or the car that pops out. Right. Um, but but well, everyone you sell used is chipping away at the hundred, you know, and eating away at that yeah. one point two million dollar potential. That that yeah. Um, it, that, that does remind me of something I was going to say a, a little while back. Um, we talked about like, you know, ARA having 40 games then having apparently 100 games worth of parts, right? And why would they part <laughs> with the parts? Um, a complete game is very easy to sell, right? Um, parts are a lot more nebulous. They're not, well, <laughs> you know, actually as parts, they're worth Literally. more than the Yeah, but as, as parts, they are worth more than the sum of their parts. But they'd be easier to sell if they were in in the form of a complete game, right? Because you have to wait you have to wait for a rug to break, right? Before you can sell a rug mac, and you know how often is that going to happen, right? But if you had a hundred games to sell, just like we saw, boom, they're gone like in a heartbeat, right? So he also don't parts- he, he doesn't have enough of a of a buyer base, right? To sort of correct if, if you're out. like. Yeah, if he's like, I'm just going to sell these things as parts. Well, what you what you probably do is you'd sell them for a lump sum to like pinball life or someone like that. But yeah, I mean it's the same thing. Like you know, actually that would make that would be the most logical thing to do. But then again, it's what it's if you if you do like a flow chart that ends up in my pinball dream is over, and it seems like there's a lot of choices that would actually have a better resolution, but they end in my pinball dream is over. And but of course he could always make another pinball machine. Although it well, and then want. people. <laughs> People were saying this is why years ago they should have just sued Dutch Pinball and forcibly removed Barry and Yop from the operation, declared bankruptcy, call it a day, sort of a la Pinball Brothers, Andrew Highway, you know's company. Like that's what they did. They 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 realized it wasn't gonna work, they bankrupted it, and then they moved on. And that doesn't mean we won't see Alien again, but it just means that no one who is owed a highway alien machine will see their game. I mean, highway built a lot more games than the Dutch did. I mean, they got, they did like 180 or something like that. Yeah. They, well, that's when, because they had the money, they had the money Uh influx from pinball. Remember pinball brothers were very, very wealthy men behind the scenes. These were the original investors in highway pinball from the very get go. Yeah. So people forget that. And these guys had bruised egos and they're they're still going too. They haven't they haven't stopped. Yeah. Um, no, I mean you're you're right. Alien has not been abandoned. Um, that that ship has not yet sailed. So we'll. I mean I don't. It it'll be back. Uh, but going back to the Dutch thing, you're right. Um, if they would have, 
if it would have been some sort of shareholder thing, or I think even like there's some parts of the EU where if a business isn't enough debt, you can actually force bankruptcy and like, you know, stop, you know, stop the bleeding, you know, pay out what you can and you're done, you know? And you're right. I mean, it would have been better. It's, it's kind of like, you know, like a, like an undiagnosed, you know, medical condition. It's better to catch it early and stop it because yeah, look what's happened. You've had these things in storage for three years. You've had, three years of inflation making making the original money or parts values worth less and you know it's only gotten worse because of the time they've wasted yeah and i've and i've always said it i I just wish they would just pull the plug i mean this thing has been on a a a, a dialysis is that is that what's the machine they put you what's the machine they put you on to keep all your i I don't know what that's organs functioning you know A, a machine whose plug can be pulled a machine yeah my sister would i i just feel like they they continue to use this false hope to prevent people from suing because then that's the finality of it all. It's, it's over. You're never going to get your machine if you do that. And I think, yeah. this, and Andrew Highway used these exact same tactics. I mean, he would sort of, he would blame me. Like he blamed this podcast for his business failures. And it was like, my God. And meanwhile, the people who were closest, I mean, look at hindsight right now. How, how much better off would it, it have been if when remember when Philgate happened and he refunded everyone's Dutch pinball money because he oh, realized I remember that, I remember what was that going very on? well. We sold a lot of America's most haunted that week, so right. So if I mean at the very beginning, it, it seemed like these <laughs> that guys ma- did that not makes, know that what they makes were doing. me a that makes me a scumbag too. Why? Like, well, because that money went into my pocket. But so like, but it's half go- of, half of this room. Was paid for because of Phil Gate. Probably was. Well, look. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, do you think we've all learned the lesson? You think pre-ordering is dead for good? It seems to be. I mean, unless you know, like Spooky still does it, but you know, Spooky's delivered. But as far as a new company doing it, like, yeah, I'm like, look, look at Deep Root. I mean, Deep Root has serious cash behind them, and still, you know, they're like, hey, you know, you can order the game when you see it. Right. So. Let's let's uh, talk. Let's talk for a few minutes. Let's, let's, even, let's even like just Go. one more thing. Even even Kickstarter, like you know, Kickstarter was you know its apex was probably like 2012, 2013. Even that has come down a long ways. Like the bloom is off that rose as well, right? Because like eighty percent of them fail. Okay. <laughs> and the ones, even the ones, and the ones that succeed are always late. Let's close the door on Dutch by summarizing that it would take a miracle. Because of everything we've just said on this podcast to get more games made. you agree well, with that? Well, it would just take, you know, some rich person who likes pinball. I mean, I don't think, you know, it wouldn't, it probably wouldn't cost that much. You could probably save it. Well, again, we don't know the state of their debts, but, you know, half a million dollars would probably go a long ways. Uh, yeah, but, but who, again, you know, there's probably only so many really rich people in the world who also love pinball and, you know, to put the money in and, you know, they've probably already gone to deep root or, or Jack or whoever. So, right. You know, okay. So a miracle, a European a miracle. miracle, if it was over yeah. here, it might, their chances might be better if they were in America with all those parts and all the different companies here that could do it. Yeah. That's the thing, because I'm sure most of their customers are here as it is, you know, and then, you know, if you did it in Chicago, you know, Chicago is centrally located. There's a reason it was a manufacturing uh, I, hub. I, I, I got to tell you this. I, I'm glad the games are at, ARA because if those games were in America, people are showing up at ARA with some shotguns and de- <laughs> and demanding their game. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess that that makes sense. Although, I don't know. I have, I have, I have. It would have been, it would have been cheaper to make them here, no matter what. I mean, let's face it. Even a state like Illinois is cheaper than the EU. Right. So they should have. Well, as George Gomez says, they shouldn't have done contract manufacturing. But then they have to. Well, you know, Charlie did it, and he started out slow. He just. You just have to take your time, but you, maybe they were drunk on their own Kool-Aid. I remember they were, you know, they're the lords of all creation at, uh, you know, what was it? Pinball Expo 2014. Right. And you know what? I'm sure you, you know, that presidential suite probably wasn't that expensive. I mean, that party was probably a very small drop in a very large bucket of their problems. Right. Okay. So let me ask you a few questions, just non-sequitur questions about what's going on in pinball and just give me quick answers. Okay. Okay. What's going to sell better, Willy Wonka or Jurassic Park? Probably Jurassic Park because uh, it's cheaper, I assume. <laughs> There's a, a cheap pro. Okay. Uh, I well, mean, I don't know. How, how well has Wonka sold? I mean, I, I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. it's still early on. Okay. What um, Do you think Pirates of the Caribbean will ever be remade? No. Why not? Licensing. It's And it's from Disney. <laughs> Two strikes, you're out. <laughs> okay. It's the same thing with Big Lebowski. I mean, I can't believe that license is still active, right? It should have, if it's 2013, it should have expired twice by now. Right. Another problem of theirs. That's Go on. Do you think, out of these two bands, which one would have a more popular selling pin? Motley Crue or Guns N' Roses? <sighs> well... Uh, Guns N' Roses is more mainstream, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I would say Guns N' Roses, although they already had a pin. Although Motley, Motley Crue did have a Netflix show about them, so maybe they're back in the public zeitgeist. Well, Guns N' Roses is still touring. I mean, they neither lead singer has aged well, but Axel's managed to keep the the money machine going. Where Motley Crue, not so much these days. Vince Neil just looks, oh my god, bad. Well, you know, of course, just like Aerosmith, everyone's gonna like. You know, have a conniption fits and, you know, oh, God, they can't put Axl Rose 2019 on the back glass. And, of course, they won't. Right. You know, <laughs> right. it's so dumb. All right. Next question. Out of the four American pinball titles, Valkyrie, Poker Run, Sherlock Holmes, and Robin Hood, which yeah. of those would be the best bet for them? Uh, you mean the least worst? Yes. The lesser of four evils. Oh God! Uh, actually, how about how about worst to best? Um, definitely not Poker Run. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, hold on. Robin Hood is also terrible. I mean, we've seen in Hollywood like the Robin Hood myth. Nobody cares anymore. You know, it had a good thousand years. It's done, right? Um, Valkyries. I mean, does the average person know what a Valkyrie is? I mean, it's I mean, Tessa Thompson. I mean, <laughs> it's in the um, you know Thor universe, right? Isn't that the the Valkyries are the well, the yes, winged it's, warriors? It's, it's North mythology. Uh, Sherlock Holmes. I mean, what is it? You're like again. I, I don't think a lot of people sit down and think about what would actually be in a pin. Like, I think that with Jaws, right? It's like Jaws has one monster and a boat and a sheriff who spends half the movie painting signs. Like, how do you translate this into modes, right? Well, Sherlock Holmes is like, oh, I've got clues and I'm talking to someone and I'm being witty, like, right? I mean, nobody says who done it is the greatest pinball ever. Right, and Sherlock Holmes too. It's like, it's fun 
in movie form and in book form because you're you're unraveling a mystery slowly. But once that mystery is unraveled, it's kind of like how many times do you want to play that over again? Like, yeah, actually, you know what? If they gave it like a heavy metal art style, Valkyries could work. But then you'd have, you know, oh, God, there's too much cleavage or, you know, some outrage like that. Right. Uh, but yeah, can you mention like a heavy metal pin? I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't had like, I mean, is that what like Iron Maiden is? I guess, yeah. But, but you want you know, like, heavy, you want, like the, the heavy metal like art, like the sexy. Yeah, there needs to be like women on flying uh, bird things and like spacemen and yeah heavy metal of course it would be based off the movie right. not the comic books but right well elvira might satiate those who are looking for a little bit more sex appeal on the games um all right deep root this is not even a question let's 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 end the show with deep root because they're coming out in november what do you think you think raza november, november is, gonna break is the new, november is the new june it's the new june <laughs> Well, yeah, we're, well, no, the, the deep root was, well, no, March is supposed to be Texas, remember? Well, yeah, and then June was the date by which Zidware customers were supposedly guaranteed to have games. June of 2019. We've blown past that. It's now, and now we're hearing. Pinball is hard. Again, look at, he's got all that capital and, you know, he's behind. What hope does Barry have? I mean, Robert? No, no, I'm, I'm oh. talking about Dutch. Oh, I'm, yeah. No, Barry's like, got no hope. Right, but... Well, what people don't realize right about Deep Root, it's so... It's like, it still boggles my mind that people can't understand that Deep Root pinball is part of Deep Root Funds, which is an investment company where the money from the investment company is what is paying for the pinball venture. And that they have outside investors... I mean, that's whose money they're playing with. Yeah, it's um, instead of like pinball enthusiasts, it's like a bunch of rich dentists. Yeah, and and Robert promises a return, and and part of the money is going into the pinball venture, and but they're always making money. I mean, I don't like, I don't know. It always seems too good to be true that there has you. It would seem silly that you'd have a pinball arm of a of an investment fund that is spending 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 and nothing's coming in i mean there's gonna ha- there's gonna have to be a point where the rubber meets the road and we see you know if they can make this a viable business model um Raza, well i mean he's he's def he's definitely investing in talent i mean he's not kidding around right so what do you think the expectations Raza, yes. around this are just too high now for this to be successful well the longer they're delayed the, temp, uh, the expectations might be tempered by that, actually. You know what I mean? <laughs> People might not be expecting the moon or, and the sun anymore. They might be like, oh, yeah, you know, they're running into the usual problems. And Because uh, have they even gotten to the manufacturing part of it yet? Because that's the really hard part. Uh, yeah. I mean, so they're supposed to show Retro Atomic Zombie Adventure in Houston yep. Arcade Expo? In November. I think, I think if they miss that um, – they might be in well i mean think about it and you know if they have investors of course i wouldn't want to you know be accused of giving legal advice without a license but you know i think it's pretty obvious like if you have investors they have you know they expect a return or at least they expect to see something happen in a certain amount of time so ultimately you're answering to them you know not the pinball public because it's the investors money that you're using but at least in that case unlike barry yap andrew any of the other people you know 
you know, it's all, you know, SEC filings, it's all by the book. So, you know, you will answer to the investors. Right. At the end of the day. I mean, do you think we're going to see a five days of deep root? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, honestly, you know, it probably, if, if they are that behind, they're probably scrambling to get Raza showable for Houston. So that's probably their, you know, that's probably their main concern right now. Okay. We shall time, time will tell. My last question, Ben, I'm going to let you go. What's, what's your future in pinball? What do you, what do you want to do? Um, well, I did design a new controller board with, uh, my friend Parker, the same person I designed the previous pin heck driver board with. So that's something that I actually just did recently. And the idea is to make an affordable pinball machine controller for the people. Right. Um, yeah. So that's something that I've been working on and, uh, we actually just test, got it working, got the boards in and tested it last week. So that's pretty cool. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of like classic 8-bit computers. So I think of things like Commodore or the ZX Spectrum from the UK. And I'm like, the real winners were whoever were the cheapest, right? Right. And so <laughs> I, that that's the mentality that we try to take with this sort of thing. Um, yeah, so right now that's pretty much the only thing that I have done regarding pinball lately. And then the last pinball machine I worked on was Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. So Now do you want, do you want back in the game? You want back on the court? You know – I that's yeah I would like to you know I I would like to finish the game I was working on because mostly I want to see how much better I can do you know because I did a homebrew game Bill Paxton Pinball and then I made a lost fan game which sucked we tore it apart then I made America's Most Haunted which you know was good enough to start spooky and I'm like okay how much better can I do right and like now there's actually more resources Um, so I I kind of that's what I miss the most or a I would like to see how much better I could have done, you know, at least one more game to see, you know, to see where, if, if I plateaued yet. So, right. How are you and Chuck these days? I mean, are you guys talking or are, are things better? Uh, yeah, yeah. I actually, uh, actually visited him last week. So, uh, we, we have, we haven't fought in a while. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I did feel, and, and he, uh, he bought me, uh, well, we were talking about meatloaf. Um, uh, he found a Streets of Fire uh, soundtrack record at a swap meet, and so he bought that for me. Uh, Streets of Fire is uh, the William Hills flop movie follow-up to The Warriors, which has like a Jim Steinman soundtrack. Uh, Tonight is what it means to be young is the greatest yes. song of all time. Of oh, course. so yes, you know exactly what I'm talking oh, about. I, I'm and, the biggest Jim Steinman fanatic, you know. I, people you know, don't realize it. You watch that movie. It and Di- he's actually Diane not- Lane's in it. Yeah, and she's like 19. He's not credited in the movie, right? And like years ago, Charlie was talking about the movie because he hadn't seen it. And I'm like, there is no way those aren't Jim Steinman songs, right? And so you dig a little deeper and then sure enough. Yeah, yes. no, and, there, and the, the, the songs are incredible. I mean, the, the guys, I, I'm still convinced yeah. he's the greatest composer in, in hum, human history. But what I, what I think is cool about Jim Steinman music is, um, well, People should know, but Jim Steinman is the one who wrote like the music and lyrics for Bad Out of Hell and Bad Out of Hell 2 for Meatloaf. But even what, but he's done stuff for other artists, and it doesn't matter who the artist is or what their style is, you always can, you, you can just smell it. You know it's a Jim Steinman song. I mean, he right? wrote Total Eclipse of the Heart. <laughs> yes. Uh, Air Supply, 
right? Making love out of nothing at all. Yeah. Uh, and the Celine Dion had one too. I mean, it's you can all coming. Tell. Celine Dion's. It's all coming back to me yep. now. And he also and then, wrote "I Need a Hero," which is Bonnie Tyler's other hit. Yes, I mean, I think I that's mean, what's so cool about him. It's it's just like. It's just like when you hear someone on the radio, like uh, Ed Robinson is a great example. Like, you know, his voice is so distinct. You immediately know that it's bare naked ladies. Right. Same thing with Jim's time in music. Right. Well, Ben, always a pleasure having you on the show. We'll do this again soon. Uh, It's going to be a great fall. We get to see Wonka versus Jurassic Park. We got Elvira. We got Deep Root coming. We got Guns N' Roses coming at the end of the year. It's going to be an exciting time. Uh, in pinball, we hope you find a new home in pinball because I think you bring in energy and a passion. And you're connected to the community, which I love. I mean, I feel like you're in it. We want to get you back on the court. So any help I can do, just let me know. Okay. Yeah, I even need, I need to buy games again. Like I, I sold my games before I moved, so I need to I need to start filling my basement back up. Do you want but a yeah, Pirates cool. of the Caribbean collector's edition? I got one. I, <sighs> I got to either pay for or, or move on very quickly. You no. Know, if, if I bought anything, I'd probably just ask Hilton because he has so many goddamn games. So he <laughs> did, did he ever build that bunker of his? He wanted to build a bunker underground. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that, but I mean, hopefully he doesn't think this is doxing him. But like his whole basement is filled with games on end folded up like he's got so many games. So, I, I mean, I'd probably ask him if he wanted to sell me a game. So, yeah, he's going to wish those were uh we're, we're, we're stock certificates you know, in 20 I, years. I, I will say one thing. I mean, I know like people on Pinside rag on him and you rag on him, but you know, he, he operates a shit ton of games all over Madison. He's spread so much pinball around. Like he's really, you know, he's, he's grown it immensely around here. So, you know, and he buys every new game. So when he talks about what earns on route and, you know, what does well and what the kids like, he knows, I mean, he, he, he lives it. He's got all the data. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, look, he he knows how to troll Pinside and, and you know, push people's buttons. And he's doing mm-hmm. that, w- you know, with effort, not like I don't think he's a bad guy. Don't don't we all push buttons with Absolutely. effort? Absolutely. It's the only reason <laughs> to go on these forums. I mean, these guys who like are earnestly on there spending all of their life. It's sad. Like it's you should go on there to like stir the pot a little bit it's a freaking form full of dudes talking about pinball come on that's that's why your podcast is successful because you know that it's all about the drama (laughs) it's entertainment like you should not go there for for like earnest reasons unless unless you need you know some troubleshooting tips but that's you know whatever i like to watch i like the restoration threads i mean i think those are cool but i mean otherwise it's like okay what's a new game uh what's the latest scandal uh, what's some technical advice? Like, what else would you really need to learn, right? <laughs> I know. Okay. Look, yeah. I, I bought a Stern machine, Batman 66. It's had zero issues for two years. Like, it's just it just works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what what is left but the drama? I know, I know. Right. <laughs> anyway, Ben, always a pleasure. Have a great evening, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds good. All right, later. Yeah,